Thank you, Kay. Good morning and Merry Christmas to all of you and those listening on radio. Before we start our service, I have several announcements I'd like to make this morning. There will be no Sunday school classes or nursery service today. Both of those will resume next Sunday as normal. And speaking of next Sunday, New Year's Day, we'll be, have a chance to celebrate communion together. And then we'll also commission Shannon Ridiger's mission trip, her 11-month mission trip. Congregational meeting will be held on, on Sunday, January 8th, immediately following the worship service that morning. We'll be accepting nominations for various positions in the consistory and, and the congregation. My last announcement is just another reminder that our youth are having a cookbook fundraiser. Anybody has one recipe or several recipes that you'd like to share, you may send them to Tori's email address, which is Tori Russell, Tori.Russell. Uh, where is it here? Excuse me a second. Tori.Russell, the symbol at nktelco.net. Or you may bring a printed version to the office and drop it off there. Deadline for those recipes is February 1st. There are numerous other announcements in your bulletin. I encourage you to take the time to look them over. And now would you please stand and join me in our call to worship this morning, which is taken from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Our opening hymn this morning is taken from the blue hymnal, number 151, Good Christian Men Rejoice.
children come forward for the children's chat with Mrs. Lammers, please take a moment and greet one another. Oh, come on. There's not many of you, but I bet you can say it louder than that. Good morning. Did you leave lights on last night for Santa to come? Yeah. Yeah? We did. Did he find you? Yeah. So how important was that light? Do you think Santa uses lights? Yeah. He did. He came while you were sleeping. Well, lights are really important. What do lights do? Huh? What, do, what does a light do? It turns on. Turns on. We have to turn it on. What does it do? Makes light. Makes it so you can see. And it can go a long way, can it? If you have a really dark room. Sometimes. I sometimes. Ah. Oh, yeah? Well, we had a lot of conversation before the mic was turned on about what everybody got, didn't we? Candle. If you light a candle, does it make the whole room bright? No. Wrong answer. You're, you're out. <clears throat> it does because there wasn't any light in there before. So when Jesus came into the world, what did he bring to the world? A lot of light. And you know how you can share Jesus' light? Hmm? Tell me. God through God. His son is part of Jesus' light. It's all part of Jesus. But we can do it by the way we behave. You know that song, don't you? This little light of mine. Can you sing that? Can you sing that one now? Come on, guys. We got a lot of boys up here. Yes, you do, too. Let's sing it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Isn't that neat? We can let Jesus' light shine through us to everybody by showing love, to our family and friends, and what better love for Jesus than to share his love with everybody we know. So at this Christmas, keep your candles lit, smile, and shine for Jesus. Let us say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending us your Son so that we will have eternal life in heaven. Help us to let our light shine all over the world, all over New Knoxville, St. Mary's, New Bremen, wherever that we can share your love to others, that they can know the light of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Good morning and Merry Christmas.
Uh, before we go to the Lord in prayer, I just want to take a moment. Um, I know that we didn't originally have any nursery work scheduled for today being Christmas morning, but I do believe there are some people that volunteered to be down there. So if you want to use the nursery, um, hopefully I'm correct and <laughs> there is somebody down there. Uh, but I believe there was a, a family that volunteered kind of last minute to, to, to do that in order to, to provide the nursery care today. So feel free to take advantage of that. Hopefully that is, they're down there and ready for you. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, what this day means. Uh, We don't always uh, get to celebrate uh, Christmas morning on a Sunday. Um, And what a blessing it is to be here and to worship you and to remember, Lord, uh, the reason that we are celebrating this holiday. Uh, Presents are great. Spending time with family and friends is a wonderful thing. Uh, But, Lord, the most important gift of all, the most important thing is the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, that that we celebrate that over 2000 years ago, you came to this world. Lord, you you took on our flesh, you took on our humanity in order to rescue us and save us from our sin. And, And that began on that first Christmas morning. And we are so thankful and grateful for that. And we want to keep that as the focus of what we are celebrating and doing this day. Uh, we do, Lord, thank you for, for the time that we get to spend, spend with family and friends and all of the, the blessings that come along with that. But help us to remember, first and foremost, what this day is about and that is celebrating your birth. Um, and, Lord, um, we also recognize that there's people that are struggling at this time of year. We have several names um, on this list that we are continuing to pray for. We ask that you would be with them, especially this day, uh, that they are battling illness, uh, other issues, Lord, um, especially those we we pray you you would be especially with those um, who have lost loved ones recently. Um, Christmas and other holidays can be a very tough time for those who who are mourning the loss of their their spouse or their parents or a friend, even a child. Lord, we pray that you would be with them at this time as well. Be their, be their peace, be their comfort, be their joy, even in the midst of that hardship. And Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. At this time, I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward. Uh, today's offering is going to help support our Christian education and Sunday school ministry here at the church. And I invite you to once again enjoy some of the musical talents of our choir.
morning scripture reading comes from John, the first chapter, verses one through 14. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made and without him, nothing was made that has been made in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. 
I now invite you to stand and join in the singing of hymn number 152, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Several weeks ago, I had met with, with Eric and Sharon and Kay and, to talk about the Christmas Eve service and Christmas Day service. And I believe it was Kay that made a comment about how, how often do we actually get to sing I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day on Christmas Day. So we had to sing that song this morning. You know, we don't get to do that very often. Uh, and, and with that in mind, I do want to just say again a thank you to them and, and the choir and all those who, who helped put on the Christmas Eve service last night and, and Nikki providing some special music today. Um, you guys all did a wonderful job. I'm just amazed at the musical talent of the church. I don't know how many times I've said that from up here already, but it just blows my mind and it was just wonderful to come and to, to enjoy that music and to celebrate the birth of Christ together. So thank you to everyone again who helped put that on last night and, and who put their wonderful talents on display. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, thank you again for this day to, to be here to, to celebrate the birth of, of your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Um, I pray now that we would be able to focus in on, on that truth, Lord. Help us to put aside the distractions of a busy day and a busy weekend and, and be able to take a few moments and, and focus in on, on your word and what it has to say to us this morning. I pray you give me words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds um, to, to this message. In Christ we pray. Amen. 
Uh, last night at the Christmas Eve service, I'm sure many of you were, were here for that, we, we talked about the idea of a light in the darkness, about how on Christmas we're celebrating the fact that, that the light has dawned, that Christ himself, the Lord, has come to, to be that light for us, that apart from him, uh, we continue to walk in darkness. But because of, of his birth, because of his coming into this world, uh, we have hope, and that hope is that light that shines for us and shows us the way back to God. And so today what I want to do is, is kind of continue that theme, but dig into a, a particular passage a, a little bit more for us, and that's John 1, which Clinton just read for us. Um, this is a very familiar passage, I'm sure, to many of us, uh, and a very, um, I think, appropriate passage for Christmas morning. So often we, we focus on passages like we heard last night, Luke chapter 2, or, or the account from Matthew about Jesus' birth. Um, and those are, are very appropriate Christmas passages, of course. That's what we're celebrating this time of year. Uh, but I think John 1 is, is just as important of a, of a Christmas passage. Um, it's not quite as... Um, familiar to us in terms of the Christmas story. It doesn't talk about necessarily his, his birth in a manger or the shepherds or the wise men or anything like that. But John 1 instead takes a more theological approach, takes a more lofty approach and talks about um, more of the, the, the bigger picture, the bigger significance of what it means that Christ himself uh, was born to us this day. And so I want to take a look at that and, and again, like I said, dig a little deeper and talk about the significance of Jesus' birth. Well, we see it here in the first part of the passage. Um, There's this phrase, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Uh, From the very first words of John's gospel, uh, John makes it pretty clear that that Jesus, this one who, who was born to us, the one that we're celebrating at Christmas, isn't just any other normal birth, right? Uh, the birth of a child is a very special moment, is a very special occasion. Uh, for those of you who have children, you know, you, you remember the feelings, the thoughts, the emotions that come along with that. Um, I remember when Josephine was born, it was, it was a long weekend, I guess you could say. Uh, there was, you know, just a lot that went into that. Allie was in labor for a, for a significant amount of time. And, and I remember when that fi- moment finally came, it was just after midnight, um, actually on a Sunday morning that Josephine was finally born. And just that, that was such a special time. And it's a moment that I'll remember for the rest of my life. And so the birth of a child is a very significant thing and very important. But what we celebrate on Christmas isn't just another birth. It isn't just another child that was born. But we're celebrating the, the birth of, of God, the birth of our Lord, God himself coming in the flesh to be with us. See, Jesus is God. He's not just another uh, man or just another good moral teacher. There's a lot of people out there that say they like Jesus. They like this guy. They thought he had a lot of good things to say. But he was just another good teacher, like like any other religious leader, any other person in history that had a lot of good things to say. But we see from this passage, from the very first words, that Jesus was so much more than that, that he was God himself. The word was with God. The word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Uh, one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, uh, I remember as a kid reading the Chronicles of Narnia and just being fascinated by that series. Um, C.S. Lewis came to Christ uh, as an adult later in life, and, and not only did he write books like Chronicles of Narnia, but he also had a lot of, of writings about his faith, and, and one of the most famous ones is Mere Christianity, and it's actually based on uh, several radio talks that he gave on the BBC radio station um, about his faith and about, kind of, in essence, the foundations of, of his faith, Mere Christianity, what this faith is all about, and, and that was then later turned into a book, um, and, and he addresses this issue of people who want 
to think of Jesus just as a good moral teacher, just as a mere human like the rest of us. Um, And he says this. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. Again, talking about Jesus. They say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a good moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. If, excuse me, a man who was merely a man that said the sort of things that Jesus said would either be, would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. See, if we really believe all the things that Jesus claimed about himself, that he is the light of the world, that he is the son of God, um, that he was the word who was with God in the beginning, you know, we can't get away with just saying he was just a good moral teacher, right? Because that has to ignore so much of what he taught and what the Bible teaches us about Jesus. Instead, we must come to the conclusion uh, that John is stating here that he is God himself, not just a mere human being. These, these words also reflect to us the, the very beginning of the Bible. If you go all the way back to Genesis 1, you get these very familiar words. In the beginning, the Lord created the, or God created the heavens and the earth. And so this passage from John 1, it's intentionally reflecting those words. Right In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, it's this, there's this intentional you know, mirroring of those words. And there, it's, he, John does that on purpose. And it's to get us to recall that creation story in, to our mind, to get us to, to realize that there's something new going on here. God, in the beginning, created the heavens and the earth, and it was by speaking, it was by his words that he brought things into being. And what God is doing through Jesus, when Jesus was born, it's, it's God was beginning his recreation of the world. See, man and woman was, were, were tainted by sin because of the choices of Adam and Eve, because because of their decision, sin has affected each and every one of us. And so, so we've been broken. The image of God that we were created with has been distorted. And so in Christ, what he's doing is he's beginning that recreation process. He's, help, he's, he's providing a way for us to be made new in him. Second Corinthians chapter 5 talks about how in Christ we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so as to, in order, the reason why he's using that language again from Genesis 1 is to get us to recall that this idea of God creating, and in Jesus, he's creating us new once again. Paul picks up on this in 1 Corinthians 15, and he calls Jesus the new Adam, kind of the one who's going to set the, set the record straight in a sense. The first Adam uh, succumbed to sin and temptation, and, and therefore we have all become a part of that. But in Christ, the perfect one, the perfect Adam, the one who did not give in to sin, who did not give in to temptation, in him, when we put our trust in him and follow him, we get to be part of that new creation as well. He set that new standard for us that we can, if we receive him and put our trust in him, uh, that is, that is the hope that, that he brings to us at this time of year. This passage also, this, this first, these first opening verses also talk about how, how everything was created in and through him and in him was life. See, God is the source of both physical and spiritual life. 
In the beginning, God spoke everything into, into existence. In Genesis 2, we get this intimate picture of God breathing life into Adam, the first man. You see, God is the source of all of those things, and the same is true for Jesus. He is God, and so therefore he is also the source of physical and spiritual life. Paul, speaking to, the, to a bunch of philosophers in, in Athens in Acts chapter 17, um, says that in him, speaking of Jesus, we live and move and have our being. See, he's the one who sustains us. He's the one who gives us life. And not just physical life, but spiritual life. Ezekiel 37 is one of the great images of, of the Old Testament. It's this, it's this chapter where the prophet Ezekiel receives this vision from God, and, and he finds himself standing in this field just full of dry bones. This field that, you know, this massive battle must have taken place. And, and so there's just dry bones everywhere, the result of this massive battle. And, and God speaks to Ezekiel and tells him to, to prophesy over these bones and to command them to, to come together and join together. And so, so there's this rattling sound and all of a sudden these dry bones start to move. They start to connect and form, form a body again. And, and, tendons and ligaments and, and flesh begins to cover these bones. And, and before you know it, there was this massive army. This, this, all these dry bones had once again come to life. But that wasn't enough. They, they had the appearance of physical life. They had the appearance of being alive again. But that was not enough. And then God commands Ezekiel and he says, prophesy to the wind, prophesy to the breath. And ask, and, 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 and ask them to come into these people. You see, in the Old Testament, the, the word for breath and the word for spirit, or the, or the word for wind and breath and spirit are all the same. And so, so, in a sense, God is once again breathing new life into this army. And so when, when that breath comes, when that spirit comes, when that wind comes, new life comes as well. And this army is once again brought to life. See, that's what God does to us through Christ. He, he makes us alive again in Him. We may be physically alive apart from Him. But we're spiritually dead. And what Christ does is He breathes new life into us. He sends us His Spirit and, and bring, makes us spiritually alive once again. Because in Him was life. And that life was the light of mankind. We talked a lot last night about that light. And, and John here once again describes His birth, describes Jesus' birth as a light shining in the darkness. I talked about how when we... Our darkness, we're, when we're apart from Christ, it's described as being in darkness. In the, so this incarnation, his incarnation is described as that light shining in the darkness. Incarnation is a, a big technical term. It simply means in the flesh. Christ becoming in the flesh like the rest of us. Incarnation. Carne, right? Mean incarnation. And so when, when Jesus became like one of us, he was shining the light of God, the light of this life that he provides to each one of us. In Genesis 1, God spoke and said, let there be light, and the light shined in the darkness. In the same way, with the birth of Christ, that, that light of God was once again shining into this world. I'm sure many of you have been in a, in a dark room before. Like I used this analogy last night of tripping over Josephine's toys. But if you're just in this dark, pitch black room, right, and you can't see your hand in front of your face, you can't move around. If you do, you're going to fall, you're going to trip, you're going to hurt yourself. But if you just take one small little candle and you light it, and immediately you're able to see in the room. It doesn't take much, because even just the little, tiniest flame, the smallest bit of light, will light up a whole room. 
It doesn't take much. Just a little bit of light will shine and bring light to the whole room and you'll be able to see what's going on. In the same way, it says here that the darkness could not overcome the light of Christ. It tried. Right? Right? Christ was put to death on the cross. The thing that was supposed to defeat that light. The thing that was supposed to extinguish, extinguish that light. But instead, it was through the cross that he overcame the darkness. It was through his death on the cross that he overcame sin and death and shame. The very thing that was supposed to extinguish the light is what made it shine even brighter. And so the darkness, our sin, our shame, our, our, our separation from God can't overcome the light that Jesus shines in our life if we put our hope and our trust in him. This passage from John also reminds us that we are not the light ourselves. There's these verses that seem maybe out of place, uh, beginning in verse, verses 6 through 8, talking about John the Baptist. This, this John was sent from God to testify concerning the light, but it says he himself was not the light. I think we need to remind ourselves from time to time that we can't save ourselves. He may call us to do certain things. He has a purpose and a calling for each one of us, but only Christ is our Savior. Only Christ is the one who can save us from our sin. John the Baptist was a great man from God, and he, he fulfilled his purpose in his ministry but he also recognized that he himself was not the light. He understood that there was someone greater than himself, and that was Christ. I think we need to be reminded of that sometimes, that we are not the light, right? We need, to, our, we need a Savior because we can't save ourselves. There's a difference between advice and news. See, advice is, is information that you give someone so that they can improve their situation or their life. You give them a little tidbit here and there, and, and, and if they put it into practice, if they follow that advice, then their life or their situation may improve. There's a lot of self-help books out there that try to do just that, right? There's, here's five or six steps in order to improve your life. Here's five or six steps in order to lose weight this new year or whatever. That's all advice. It's, it's information, and it may be good information, but you need to do some, you need to, you need to put it into practice. It's not, it's, it's, it's not gonna do anything for you unless you, Unless you live it out. But news is different. News is an advice. News is a report that something has already happened. You turn on the news and you see reports of things that have happened throughout the day around the world. And it's not advice because it's not asking you to put that, take that information and put it into practice in order to improve your life, right? It's things that have already happened and you simply react to it one way or the other. See, the good news of Jesus' birth, it's news and not advice. And we must respond to it in some way. The good news is that Christ has come, right? The Son of God has come into this world, and it's a light that has shined in the darkness, and the darkness can't overcome it. And through his life and his death and his resurrection, we have the hope of a Savior. We have the hope of the forgiveness of our sins and, and, and no longer being separated from God. And we simply respond to it. We react to it. It's not about here's the six steps in order to earn your way back into God's favor. It's not the three methods in order to earn God's love. It's God has already shown us his love in Jesus Christ. God has already demonstrated it to us. It happened on the cross. It happened at the birth of Jesus Christ. And we simply need to respond or react to it. First, excuse me, John is described here as a witness. And a witness simply responds and they report, and excuse me, reports to what he has seen and heard, and nothing more. You know, a witness in a course case, in a in a case is not expected to issue a verdict or issue a judgment. They're simply called to report what they have seen and heard. 
In the same way, that is what we are called to do. That's how we share that light, like we talked about last night. We respond and report what Christ has done for us in his life. Uh, later on in, in the first John, which is a letter that the Apostle John wrote later in his life, he opens with these words, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and which our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Notice the words he uses to describe there. The one they have seen, the one they have heard, the one they have touched, the one they have looked at. It's a witness, right? It's, it's, they're testifying to what the, the, what the life and death and resurrection of Jesus was like and what it means for each one of us. And we're called to do the same. We are not the light, but we can testify and be a witness for the light. Jesus himself is the true light that has come into the world. Spoke last week about how the world often has negative connotations um, in, in John's gospel. He talked about God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When, God, when, when, when John is saying that, he's not talking about just nature and creation and, and things like that. He's talking about, when he uses the word the world, he's talking about humanity especially humanity who has been lost in sin and darkness. See, God's creation, our, that image of God that he's placed in us is broken, and he desires for it to be restored and renewed. And so, therefore, he sent Jesus in order to do that. It was out of his love and his compassion for us. But that world, our sinful humanity, is broken and lost. And so he needed to come and to restore us and rescue us from ourselves. And the light reveals our situation. That passage from John chapter 3, um, we looked at just a few couple, a couple verses there. But if we were to go on, we see John talking about what light does for us. This is John chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 18. This is the verses immediately following the ones we looked at last week. It says, Whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. We will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You see, light exposes who we are and, and we need to respond to it in some way. Some of it, some people respond by avoiding the light. They, they would rather remain in darkness and, and avoid the light of God in their lives. They reject God. They reject the news of, of a Savior being born. And they reject the forgiveness and grace that He offers. And they remain in the darkness. But some, and I hope you are in this category, they respond by, by stepping into the light. They respond by, by allowing that light to shine in their lives and, and make them a new creation. You see, the one thing we can't do is just ignore the light. We, we respond to it in some way. We either, we either accept it and step into the light, or we ignore it and try to hide in the darkness. But we can't pretend like the light's not there. When you're in a pitch black room and that candle is lit, you can't help but notice that it's there, right? There's no way you can avoid that. You need to respond to it in some way. We 
Unfortunately, it says here that some people have rejected that light. Rejected, uh, Jesus himself was rejected by many people during his lifetime and continues to be so. Um, think of this. There's this story of a woman who was, who was caught in her house during a flood. It just came about so quickly that she was trapped there and had no way of getting out. And so she prayed to God that, that he would come and save her and rescue her. And as the waters rose, right, she, there was no way around it. And, and suddenly this man just starts to drift by in this, in this raft, right? And, and he says, come here, I can save you. Get in the boat and, and we'll, we'll make our way to safety. And she says, no, that's okay. I prayed and God said that he would save me. So I'm just going to wait here for God to save me. And so the guy just goes along in his boat, right? And the waters just keep rising up and eventually she has to go up um, onto her roof and she sees another person going by in a little like motorboat. Um, and he says, come on, get in, the, get in the boat. I'll save you. And she said, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. God's going to save me. So he goes on his way. And, and as the water is about to overcome her, she sees this helicopter go by, and, and it's a rescue team trying to save people that were trapped by the flooding. And so, so they call out to her and say, grab on. They're gonna, they lowered this person to, to grab her and to bring her to safety. And she says, no, that's okay. God's going to save me. Well, the floodwaters eventually raise, and she's swept away, and, and she finds herself face-to-face with God in heaven. And she says, God, what is going on here? These floodwaters are rising, and I prayed over and over again for you to save me. And he said, who do you think sent the boat and the helicopter? Right? God often, you know, he provides that. We, we pray to God, and, and we ask him to save us. We pray, and, 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 but we need to respond to it. Right? We need to respond by, by accepting that salvation, accepting that offer of grace that he's extended to us. In the same way, God has provided us a life raft. God has provided us a way out of our sin and out of the darkness. But we need to respond to it. We see here in verses 12 and 13, his purpose in coming to this world. John makes it very clear to us. In verse 12, he says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born, excuse me, born not of natural descent nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You see, the reason why Christ came in this world is so that we, the lost, sinful, broken humanity, could once again be a part of God's family. Gave us the right to become children of God. But it says here that we need to receive Him. It says to those who received Him. Some people have chosen to reject Him, but some have received Him. And those that receive Him have that, have that right to become children of God. I think this is a very appropriate metaphor, uh, especially for Christmas Day as we think about it. You know, we all, um, some of you probably did it this morning, sat around the tree and opened some presents. Um, some people do it Christmas Eve, some may be doing it later today. But, but Christmas is a time where we give and receive presents, right? And if you, were to re- if you were to have this present, someone were to give it to you, in order to receive it, in order to really put it to you, you need to open the present, Right? You need to open it, you need to take it out of the box, and you need to put it to use, whatever it may be, a toy, a game, some practical thing. But a present won't do you any good if you leave it wrapped up and sitting underneath the tree. Right? It's not going to do us it's not going to do you any good. You're not really receiving the gift if you just let it sit there and do nothing about it. In order to really receive the gift, in order to really make it your own, you need to take it and you need to open it up and you need to accept it. It doesn't cost you anything. Right? It's still a free gift. It's still, it's still, um, you, you don't have to earn it, right? But it's a gift that's been given to you, but it won't do you any good unless you receive it and open it up for yourself. 
In the same way, we need to respond. We need to receive the offer of grace and forgiveness that he makes for each one of us. That's the reason he came into this world, in order to, to offer that to us, that, that opportunity to, for our sins to be forgiven so that we could be a part of his family. But yet we, we need to receive that for ourselves. And he did that by becoming like one of us. It says here that God, the word was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. You see, we talked before about Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning and all things were created through him. But yet he was also man. He became human like one of us and made his dwelling among us. The word there for dwelling is literally he tabernacled among us. He pitched his tent. And if you, know, if you remember in the Old Testament, uh, the tabernacle was the place where God was. For, for the people of Israel. It predated the temple. As the, as the people of God were wandering through the wilderness, there was this tent in the middle of camp, and it was called the tabernacle. And it was the place where God's presence was among his people. It was the very visible representation, physical representation of, of God's presence among his people. And so if people wanted to spend time with God, if they wanted to go to him, they had to go to the tent. They had to go to the tabernacle in order to meet with God. And so what John is saying here is that there's no longer this tabernacle or temple that you have to go to in order to, to find God, in order to be in his presence. Instead, God himself has come and, and he's, he's pitched this tent. He's become that tabernacle for us in the flesh. God's presence is no longer tied to a building or a tent or anything like that, but it was in the person of Jesus Christ. And he made his dwelling among us. He became like one of us. And, it's, and you see the glory of the one and only Son. It's that same glory that filled the tabernacle in the wilderness. When it was dedicated, that, that cloud of glory came down and, and filled the temple and filled the tabernacle. And that was the physical representation. It was a symbol of God's presence. In the same way, we see that same glory in the person of Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 9, they got a glimpse of it in the transfiguration. Peter, John, and Paul, excuse me, not Paul, uh, Peter, John, and James had this opportunity to, to see Jesus transfigured. They saw a glimpse of his glory on the mountain. But in, when, when we get to see him face to face, we'll see, it in, see him in his full glory. And finally, it says that he came in grace and truth. And that's such an important thing. We need to hold those two things together, grace and truth. See, we've talked about how light reveals the truth. It reveals the nature of our sin and the fact that, that we are walking in darkness if we're apart from God. And so the life of Jesus Christ, his light is shining to reveal that truth to us. It's revealed that apart from him, we have no hope. But in him, we have hope. You see, there's also grace. And the grace is the free gift of salvation in Christ. That at the birth of Christ, we, <coughs> excuse me, we've been offered this free gift. We've been offered this opportunity to receive salvation from him. And first, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter five gives this description of what grace really means. It means that he does no, he does not count our sins against us any longer. Chapter five in Second Corinthians, verses eighteen and nineteen, and then also twenty-one. Paul writes, "All of this is from God." He, he just got done talking about how we're a new creation in Christ. All of it is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And if you skip down to verse 21, 
says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, that's what Christmas is all about, that he was no longer counting our sins against us, that, that there was this light that shined in the darkness in order so that we could know what it means to truly have life. See, but the great, and the greatest gift of all is, is that gift of salvation that he offers to each one of us. The, the full of grace and truth. That God himself came to be with us in order to save us from ourselves and some, from our sin. And we simply need to receive it. And I encourage you to receive that gift today. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for what this all means for us. That in Christ you shined a light into the darkness of our lives and in the darkness of this world. And in you we can find the forgiveness of sins and have a, a relationship with you that begins now and lasts for eternity. I pray that we would all receive that gift and, and that our lives would reflect the free gift of grace and, and mercy that you've shown each one of us. In Christ we pray. Amen. I invite you in closing to stand and let's sing together number 125, Joy to the World.
now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Visible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Merry Christmas.